What's up, friends? Welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Leave us your likes and comments. You could do the same on Facebook and follow us on iTunes and Spotify. I'm Metal Dave Glessner, along with my co-host, Jason McMaster. And today we've got a great episode. We are talking to Bobby Landgraf, a.k.a. Bobby Rock. Bobby is a guitar player in numerous bands not the least of which was Down. He played in Down for a number of years. He's also played in Honky, and he plays in a band with Jason McMaster called Godzilla Motor Company that has an album on the way, a brand new album of old material that's been remixed, remastered, etc. You're going to want to hear all about that. Let's get right into it. Bobby, how are you, man? What's going on with you? I'm real good. I'm real good. I'm real excited to be talking to you guys about old rock and roll things and, and time traveling and whatnot. So, it's so fun. I love your show. You guys got it going on. I love what you're doing. Your subject matter. I'm listening and I know I'm listening. You guys are asking questions to each other and you don't know the answer. And I'm sitting there yelling at my computer. Fuck, I know the answer. Speed <laughs> dealer bass player, Rodney. Rodney was playing bass and speed dealer. You know. Wow. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I'm in. This I'm show. a fan. This is why we have a show. Thank you, Bobby. That's right. I love it. Got it going on. Exactly. And you so, too, Jared. Yeah, Jared, our producer. Harry. I saw Jared in there. It's your song. So, Bobby, uh, let's let's uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Um, and I want to get into the Godzilla Motor Company record that's just uh been, Oh yes. Uh, so do I. We released, I guess. Uh, but first of all, let me let me start. Let me back up a little bit. Let's go. Let's start from the beginning. What album got you into playing guitar? And tell us a little bit about your timeline leading up to where we are today, as far as discovering rock and roll. You talk about when I was a kid. Yeah, I'm living in Chicago. I'm listening to the radio, and I'm I was making model cars at the time. I just how old? How old were you? Sure. Let's let's uh, let's go 10, 12 ish. Okay. Born and, in Chicago. Well, yes, that's where I'm from. That's where my family's all from yeah. Chicago. Um, I was listening to the radio and I heard Tush. It was Fandango just came out. And out of all the fucking foreigner and all the whatever journey, uh, everything else, you know, heart that was CZ Top just jumped out at me. And I went, oh my God. Forget go gag on, forget go gag on. I'm like, oh, I need to know how to do that. And um, that that was it. I, I thought about it a lot in my life, and it was Fandango that on the radio when I was a kid. That that's like my favorite ZZ Top record. It's the best one. It's just also so perfect. Go to first one I ever heard as well. I was a kid growing up on a military base, and I I was living in England at the time, and you could go to the library and check out records as well as books. And I remember seeing ZZ Top Fandango yeah. and I, like just looking at the cover, I was like, uh, I'm going to need this. I'm going to need this. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, man. Billy Gibbons playing a flying V on that cover. It's such a beautiful record. And the fact that the, uh, uh, the one side is live and yes. you know, and, and the whole association with Austin, Texas, had no idea back then I would identify with Austin so much in well, my life. And later yeah. on, I would come to learn that, you know, Fandango could be a slice of like side three and four from Kiss Alive 2. Sure. 
one live side and one studio side. Just so good. I just yeah. love that. I think it's awesome. So Top, was, Top did it again. I think it was on Triple X. They put some live tracks on the record. Oh, cool. But uh, I just love it when bands do that. I, I think it's, it's easy talk. It's real tasteful. It's fearless. It's like, this is it. I love were that. You into, were you into anything else? Was anything else kind of... Man, well, of when you said guitar player, when I wanted to learn how to play guitar was hearing Fandango. But hearing music, it was about chicks' butts and funk when I was a kid. <laughs> I mean, it was earth wind and fire it was ohio players it was the fucking flashlight coming out of anybody's jam box and some chick's butt is moving that's what got me really into music and i can't lie i have to just say that <laughs> yeah you're, there's no question you're not i mean it's all rock and roll stuff with the mm. chick butts and the funk and the whole zz oh, top yeah. out, all of that so you were see you were chewing on the right lure you know they're on the right lure don't chum in the water and you were drinking Hook, it up. line and forget about it yes nice it's absolutely uh, you know uh like a disco and soul and funk and all that i could stuff. taste some disco i, I yeah. could taste a little bit you know what i mean some bgs you know, had some things and whatever but man that funk that horn funk that ohio funk oh for god went to brick house all that when you mm. go to, yes. uh when you go to the roller rink in the mid 70s you're hearing absolutely. all that stuff oh look at the chicks oh look at the chicks and elton john but then you got a heavy amount of disco involved as well absolutely yeah yeah no doubt funky beat that hard four four has always just takes me and i love it i love that you bring up that 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 influence because i remember as a kid when i was growing up uh i'm a i'm an air force brat so we traveled around and um about the time i was getting into rock and roll i went to a what used to be called junior high school in uh in maryland and i was into kiss and acdc and i was discovering van halen but the kids that i went to school with i went to a predominantly black school and they were way way into parliament the commodores That's right uh, rick james and I was, they turned me onto that stuff and I was like, yeah, I get it, man. I get it. You know, it just hits you right across the forehead. You know how I identify with that with you is that when I was a kid, my old man worked for Zenith, the TVs. Yeah. Everything's made in Taiwan. I went to Taiwan when I was a kid. I spent a lot of years overseas, actually graduated from high school over there. So the military kids had the jam boxes and they were playing the funk. Yeah. And that was where those parties were. It was the Air Force, the, the Marine and Navy kids. That's where I went to school with in Taiwan. Wow. So that's a funny story. I totally identify with you and your people because that turned me on to music. And, and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I remember that the, my best friend was this kid that lived across the street and he was a black dude. And he would, I was turning him on to Kiss while he was turning me on to Parliament. And, you know, and, mm. and Parliament and Funkadelic, you know, had that very theatrical element. So it was almost like a black version of Kiss. And to him, Kiss was like a, 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 a white rock version of Parliament, you know? So it was just, it was almost interchangeable in a way. Dude, all the funk day, Ohio players, Parliament. Uh, uh, yeah, they all had their outfits and the gold lame and the boots and the things and the yeah. And that. Oh hell yeah, entertainment baby, entertainment. Exactly. Yes, it's all and it fun was, songs, just like Kiss. You know, 
yeah. you know, cold gin, fire. It don't matter. It's a party song and it's got everybody understanding it and grooving to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. As Dino Lee taught me that because I got to be a part of one where I wore stupid outfits and wore Golamake jackets and dumb tiger stripe coats. And it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Absolutely. It's about the entertainment. So how did, so where did you go from Chicago? From what brought you to Austin? Chicago to Taiwan. Okay. I was back and forth like that. And, and, um, and my last two years of high school were in Taiwan, Taipei, Taiwan. And I literally, and I just, I'll say it, I'm reading a penthouse magazine and I saw the words University of Texas, party school, US, yada, yada. This is 83. And uh, Bobby, where do you want to go to college? Well, uh, I think I'd like to go to University of Texas in, uh, in Austin. And I got in uh, and I was in UT for three months. And uh, oh, yeah. Um, and it was killer. And it, it, I was, I was hit, my old man was hitting me up like, hey, uh, so uh, where are those report cards? Uh, how are you doing in school? Oh, I'm doing great, Dad. Uh, you know, I think I'm going to get a house with some guys and um and we're gonna get a house and i'm just you know not gonna live on campus and i'm i'm gonna kind of take i'm less classes you know and i'm gonna play guitar i'm gonna play guitar I'm, i've been going to these clubs and i've been seeing you know the scene here and all this and that he's like yeah okay forget about it and uh that's uh when i got cut off but it was the best thing ever because uh i started delivering pizza and just trying to sneak into every show i could have thrown this out there i think it was before you and i were, were actually bros you i knew about you this guy bobby who worked at pantera's pizza that's right pantera's pizza oh yeah. good lord that was a that was little did we know then but that was all of us like guys like us that were all there uh I steve bernal you yeah. me Yes. Larry Club. Now, wasn't uh, the one that you were down on the drag? Oh, yeah. And Absolutely. I was working at the one uh, in Rutland and Lamar. Oh, right on. Yeah. Wow. God, we destroyed their trucks. There was, two, there was two here, and then there was one. <laughs> I think, wasn't there one uh, down by the where the target is on Ben White? I know about the one you're talking about and the one I worked at. Oh, that's okay. the only two I knew about. Okay. And then there was one in San Marcos. And I think oh, right on. the only Pantera's pizza stores they were. And this is this is previous to our knowledge of, you know, what we know as Pantera now. Absolutely. So, yeah. Because the pizza turned into the band. Um, <laughs> oh, no, wait, it didn't. It was totally separate. How does that no, work? No, no, I don't know. I don't know. Two months at UT, did you take a science course? That well, no, no, Philip, Philip owned the, the, the restaurant. That, that we uh no wait he didn't it, it was no, dime he, bag no he no, no that doesn't work rex yeah. was i don't even know anymore no. it was so long ago man <laughs> yeah. they have a great band but pizza was shitty anyway you know it was it was a hell of a time but i mean that's we're talking old austin so you're in so yeah. you're in austin and you're uh you got your guitar oh yeah you got a house with some guys and you're going to clubs. What clubs are you going to? What year? Man, is I'm getting into Liberty Lunch. I'm getting into the beach. I'm getting into Continental Club because it was a shithole rock club back then. This is awesome and, history. Yeah. Uh, and I'm living in, uh, not living. I was hanging out quite a bit at uh, Billy Chainsaw's house, which is the first house if you take a left, if you're in front of Continental Club. <clears throat> so South Congress, which 
wow. it was a scary place back then. Only yeah. us were, were down there. What year? Ooh, 86. Oh, okay. All ish, right. seven. Um, God, I'd, I'd have to ask Billy when he had that house. But uh, anyway, um, we uh, were rehearsing Blow there. I met Crow. And how did I meet Ben? I met Ben. Oh, God, I just going to shows in Liberty Lunch, and I met Ben Burton. Yeah, Ben Burton. Absolutely. What ben, was ben at the time, do you recall? Ben. Oh, I know. I'm looking into things, and and I heard EKU was like right. best best band, and right. I went and saw him, and goddamn, I was blown away. I'm like, oh Jesus, these fuckers can really play, and um, I I just I stuck my nose in, and I got to meet. Billy and Nailhead, and Ben yeah. and uh, South Austin Goon Squad, you know, yeah. uh, Randy, yeah. you know, your brother, uh, you know. Um, Randy met me, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did, totally. You knew um, and then I met Crow. I, I was delivered. Here's the Pantera's pizza story for you. To be clear, Crow from Agony Column. From Agony Column. Basis from Agony Column. Yes. Original basis. I want to say founding member. I, but right, I, right, right. Who was replaced by Billy Chainsaw. That's exactly We're right. In the same breath. I got Billy that gig. I was so proud wow. of that moment. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's huge. Oh, yeah. Stuart and Richie were asking me, man. And I said, Billy Chainsaw. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm so glad about that. Um, God, where was I at? I was delivering Pantera's pizza. I go to the, I go to one of the dorms campus and I got this pizza it says crow. Yeah, whatever you delivering pizza. What do you care? And I'm walking out end of the hall. There's this cat teetering on a skateboard with a bass in his hand. And <laughs> wow. I'm exactly that. And I'm Punk walking rock. down the hall. I'm getting closer. I'm seeing like, Oh, wow. Look at room numbers. Oh, that's this motherfucker. And I saw him, I met him and he's teetering on a skateboard with a Rickenbacker. And he goes, it just, I think the first words out of his mouth to me were like, Hey man, I just ripped the frets out with a fucking wrench. What do you think? Is it cool? And he's playing fretless wop, wop. I'm like, dude, that's awesome. And from that moment, I love that man to this day, all the time. You We've done a bunch of stuff like, together. Would like vomit. Uh, like nervous vomit knowing that someone uh shall i say some people would say destroyed a perfectly good rickenbacker by doing that yes if it was on display or if it was bench or something but if the cat's teetering back and forth on a skateboard waiting for a pizza and it's no surprise. completely legit right. that's hardcore and yeah. that's crow yeah oh my god he's an awesome awesome yeah. brother of mine yeah, and, I'm um, say he was hanging upside down while he's on a skateboard. That I saw. From when I was there, it was right side up. That was before Bobby showed up. That's right. After that, upside down. <laughs> well, he had to get he had to get down on the ground to eat some pizza. I see. <laughs> you know, it's a talent, it's a skill. Because because by all means, if you're hanging upside down with a fretless bass, you just rip the frets out with a crowbar or whatever, and you're oh. on a skateboard. Obviously, you can't eat pizza. Obviously, you're out of hand. I mean, come on, physics got, people got no more hands and feet. <laughs> and then Agony Column, and boy, did he blow up, man! Oh, god, Agony Column was the best thing ever. Um, for for it, uh, just every show was a 
were you doing were you uh, was a project maybe you had opening for agony column which which once again this would have been about 86 okay i met ben and him and i just really hit it off we just understood each other and we jammed once and just something about it uh just that one jam that that often happens with musicians you either hit it with somebody and like, ah, it's kind of cool. Or you just like, Oh my God, here's my number. We have to hang out all the time. And that's how it was for me and Ben. And it was and, you, and Crow, you Crow me, and Ben and Crow. Yes. Um, and we started it, we called it blow. And uh, we played a shit ton uh, at Liberty lunch and continental club. And uh, that was this era of mine here. Wow. Yes, yes, yes. An old Kramer that, uh, you know, it's all torn up now, but that's a heavy memory of, of Ben and Crow and, and Blow. Wow. Which was a blast. We just had kind of instrumentals. Uh, we did some songs. I sang everything and I was nervous as hell. So I just did a couple of things that I loved so much. Like, uh, you must be dreaming from Cheap Trick off that heavy metal cartoon. Yeah, which yeah. worked out for us as a three piece and uh, Faith Healer by the sensational Alex Harvey band. Yes, uh, we did that song and uh, high school band. I called Faith Healer because I love that so much. Wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, I want to say um, Paul Diano uh, covered that song. Faith Healer. Yeah. Ooh, I want to know about it. You have to show me different uh inceptions of his band oh, i got something for you right here Check it there out. it is oh, oh I, I wanted to be the clown guy yeah oh yeah guitar. the oh. mime yeah, oh, yeah the mime i did i loved it <laughs> faith <laughs> healers the most rad song he's belonged ever. to mike mike d michael devorkin by the way awesome michael d Buddy, michael d hey, mike, how you doing hey mike love you mike so yeah man come to lockhart get your records and some <laughs> if you dare <laughs> so so, so yeah, that was blow. So we were blow. playing a bunch or as much as we could private part, not private, but whatever fucking parties here and there. Uh, the beach, if I, if, uh, for those of y'all that might remember the beach that was on, uh, off Duval way, speedway and Duval. Yeah, speedway Duval kind of corner. Yeah. Uh, uh, continental club in there and, uh, Liberty uh, lunch got, like, got into Liberty lunch, man. That's but, where all the big shows were. You really yeah. felt like a fat daddy when you were at Liberty Lunch, man. Like, legendary. Damn, um, they gave us a show. Damn. Legendary Austin. Man. Yeah. yeah. The Austin a lot of people miss. Mm-hmm. The legendary, name. Austin, the legendary Austin that made people want to move to Austin to fuck it up. Mm, sure <laughs> did. <laughs> Liberty Lunch is so highly missed, and, and GMC missed out on Liberty Lunch because of this. Uh, we, I say Godzilla Motor Company, our metal band. We did play lunch. lunch. We did, right. but the fact that it left left us all in the dust. In my opinion, uh, the that was the all age spot, and that's where kids would jump over the walls. I did it myself a couple times, mm-hmm. and you could see everything from Trouble Funk, Fishbone, any metal band, Bad Brains, and and, and still get to play there on thursday you know we, whatever uh we, when i say we me and bobby's band godzilla motor company we open for suicidal tendencies. that's right that's right oh. and stubs too that was yeah. a good that was a good times they didn't give us much stage you know here's that four foot but make the best that, of it kids that, you got this we <laughs> didn't matter we open for a legendary band win one that's right tendencies. that's right 
Uh, so yeah, that that that's what that was all about, man. What year? What year? So is '86 blow or is that '87 now? No, I'm going to stick with '86. Good on that because other things I want to throw in the pot here to make the soup that is Bobby Rock. Uh-oh. Uh oh. <laughs> so it's '86. So. In 86, I'm just going to, th this is kind of important, Dave, not, I, I want to keep you involved, Dave, of course, uh, you were in San Antonio, you knew about Watchtower, you knew who Billy White was, Jared, our producer, knew who Billy White was around this, all around this 85, 86 era. Yeah. Bobby knew who Billy White was because he was friends with everyone, you know, Steve Bernal knew Billy, a lot of people that you knew. New if you didn't know Watchtower, you didn't know what the fuck was going on. Just, right. Let's even just say it. Even though I don't think you and I had actually met yet no. in 86. Like Ritz shows and that, you know, yeah. Yeah, but in 86, um, I think Billy had actually uh, let the cat out of the bag that he was looking to, you know, see greener pastures. Yeah. Check out the lawn on the other side of the fence. And you knew about it. What did I know? Well, you knew that he was going to end up playing Dino Lee before anybody else. Well, no, but I know what you're talking about. I didn't. Okay. All of a sudden, I was surprised like yeah. everybody else was, honestly. Leaves Watchtower at the end of 86. Yeah. What do you know about it after that? What I know about it is that Dino loved my rap band, the Def MFs, the Def MCs at the time. And it was two MCs, me and this cat Walter Wolf on guitar and a, a beatbox and a DJ. And we were doing hip hop, metal hip hop. We were all over it. And I was doing metal hip hop. This is 86, 87. That is, just hold the phone. That oh, is yeah. crazy. So Dude. you were doing metal hip hop before I Am The Man. Absolutely yeah. was. Very happy, but I'm proud of that, God damn it. Yes, yeah. sir, I did. Yes, yeah. sir, I did. It's not, and, it's not yeah. sure that Dino Lee of the White Trash Review and... Uh, Dude, him willing to kill. Wayne yeah. Nagel loved us. He would put okay. us on Will's shows. Uh, Dino loved us, put us on his shows. Yeah. So I'm smelling what you're stepping in. And I'm going to say that Dino had us open up for Dino Lee and his band, uh, White Trash Review, at the Ritz. Many times, and this is which about is, the fourth or what kind of I don't. Which is what kind of just because we're talking old Austin here. You describe what D, who Dino Lee is, where Dino Lee is from. Good what Lord, it's on me. I have to do that. Yeah, it's on. Dino you. came to Austin with a band called the Helicopters, and it was something crazy, and and he had a big pompadour, and. He had a funk band that I went out and saw maybe at, at lunch, maybe or something. And uh, dude, he had Chris Gates uh, and 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 uh, all kind of crazy folks um, in his band. Um, so Chris, Chris Gates at the time in the era we're speaking of, Chris Gates is from the Big Boys. That's right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, Poison Thirteen and, Poison and 13, Big Boys. Yeah. yeah, Poison Thirteen. So yeah, it was that kind of. Uh, okay. Those those were the daddies, right? then so yeah. dino went and sought out the daddies and and so he handpicked um all the best cats you know like chris and like uh, billy and, and and cats that he would get in his band and i don't know it must have been the fourth or fifth time where we're playing at uh the ritz 
And it's I'm backstage. It sounds like early 87 now to me. There, there you go. Okay. That, that could be. And I, we're friends at this point. We're tight. We're calling each other and talking about tone and this and that. And, and um, he's sitting backstage with me. And he goes, Bobby, I, I can't do this anymore, man. It's freaking me out. And I've just finished playing, right? I'm sweating and, you know, joint in my mouth and fucking shiner bach when it was good you know and and fucking billy's going big eyes big eye billy i can't do this anymore and i didn't know if he was like just freaking out on that moment like are you okay bro i mean we're cool you know it's all good he's like no no i just do you want to do this because i i I can't do this i I don't want to do this and i said sure you know and me i'm like tomorrow what are you playing again i uh, but he uh he goes no no i just i'm gonna quit this and i'm i got things and you know of course billy went off to do so many things but that's how that, he handed that, off the gig to me yeah and i think at backstage that point, at the ritz went to will Dude, and i can't do kill. this will and yeah the kill after that that's right he went to will and the kill and dock in and things but mm-hmm. that was it that was the moment backstage i'll never forget it i could see his face right now like Dude, I, I don't want to do this. I can't do this. And um, yeah, That's, I didn't know if he was hurt. I'm like, is your hand okay? I, I don't, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, but uh, he, uh, the, the, it was porno funk. Let me just describe Dina a little bit better. It was straight up porno funk. I mean, he had dancing chicks half naked. He had all kind of bubble girls and dancing girls and the jam and jelly girls. Um, yeah. What's her name? Yeah, I'm I, sorry, I'm forgetting her name. But from the Chronicles, the, the Margaret the, Moser. Thank you, Margaret Moser. And um, he had the heavy hitters, including. But I anyone. can't. I can't see Billy White being totally comfortable with all of that kind of crazy. Oh, the hits while Billy was playing were like Wayne Newton is a dyke. I mean, that was the like the hit. Oh, yeah. It was great. There's a record called New Las Vegas, and and there's songs like that. Oh, it's awesome. And, but how, yeah, how come that wasn't all over the radio, and I never heard it, dude? Dino Lee for mayor stickers were on people's cars. I mean, Dino was big. Dino was a, a big thing, at least from a kid like me. Yeah, I'm like, Jesus, wow, you well, know, he's I, everywhere. You know, I I didn't get to Austin until '95, and um, I remember. Even at that point, I remember Dino Lee being kind of a big deal, you know, a, a, a decent sized draw, if not a big draw. And in fact, when I first met Jason, um, I think he was helping you guys out, like, you know, showing up at gigs and run, running gear, running sound or something. Mr. Fabulous. Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, now, now, was is Dino Lee Mr. Fabulous? Yes. yes, he is. Okay, there. Okay, I'm sorry. That's exactly so, right. You know, Lee transformed into Mister Fabulous, and that's exactly. Yeah, oh, gotcha. He always had that. That was his thing. When you hang out with Dino at his house or whatever, it's fucking Rat Pack, Dino Sinatra kind of music, and yeah, drinking yeah. martinis and sprinkles. Yeah, yeah. in there, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's, but see, that happened because of me and Jason, and and you know, knowing each other and playing together in a band, and and Dino's like, hey, uh. I'm doing this new fucking gig. I mean, he's like Rodney Dangerfield all the time or something. <laughs> you know, he's, he's an entertainer. He's, he's awesome. Uh, or Tony Soprano. He yeah. picked. 
You guys do fucking sound, right? I got a fucking thing. Yeah, I got a fucking PA. I got a van. You, you know, you drive the van to the gig, fucking pay it uh, 200 bucks. You go with that? You 200 bucks? Pretty <laughs> sure. Sounds good. Godzilla Motor Company, the road crew. Yeah, exactly. Fabulous. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the work was too easy. You set up a couple sticks and you just sit back that and was, watch. It was a know. blast. Those those drive yeah. home at four a.m. kind of sucked, but yeah, yeah, right, right. So but, uh, yeah. So speaking of uh, Godzilla Motor Company, how much longer after Dino Lee and Mister Fabulous are we talking about? That there's probably a pretty well. Here's why it's longer. Uh, I Dino talked me into moving to L.A. in '88. We, we did a record at the Opera House, uh, a Dino Lee live record uh, uh, at the Opera House. Which, in Austin? The Austin yes. Opera House? Okay. Yeah. Those are the, those are the times we got uh, uh, Crow and, and, and Tom in the banana suits and, and, and the dancers. And <laughs> I mean, he, had, he bought, he went to uh, uh, the fucking uh, costume shop on Congress. Lucy. Oh, uh, Lucy. The fucking the thing. Yeah. And he went in there just like throwing money, like, hey, you'd be, you look good in this. Here, put that on. Yeah, it's fucking great. Hey, what about you? What are you going to do? I don't know. Be a fucking pirate or some so, shit. All right, go wear that. Yeah, it's great, great. Uh, so get him that. And, so it's true uh, that Dino would just show up to the gig and you're just, show, you, you, you picked out something cool to wear and you look all hot and he walks in and goes, so here's what you're wearing tonight. Oh, no, see, I'll, I'll show you guys pictures, but the band, we had animal skin coats right leopards and zebras and tigers and then gold lamey capes on top of that dude your boy here i got my jordans and my fucking psychedelic shorts i'm wearing so crazy oh man i'm wearing a top hat or a big dice for a hat trying i couldn't even see my guitar it didn't matter because i had a floyd rose at the time so but he's picking out these costumes he's all of it yeah, he's handpicked all of it. He's the singer, but he's also your wardrobe. Right? Exactly. Wow. Exactly. So it's, it's okay. so like war meets Vegas or something. Dude, it, it was beautiful. And there are there's some video that, that uh, I'd love to show you all at some point. Um, but I moved to L.A. with Dino because we had started. I was in his band and he took us to Europe a couple of times. And uh, that was the big time. I was like, there it is. Wow. I mean, you know, fuck, what am I, 23? I, I don't even know. Uh, I felt like I was, this is it, man. Wow, I'm in Europe with a band and, and uh, Europass. So I got a couple of guitars in a backpack and I'm, a, I'm good for a month, you know, um, back in those days. Uh, Europass is a pass that everybody has and you get on and off the train. Next country from the train, somebody meets you. Dino had a label called New Rose out of France. So that's why we went to Europe so much because they put us up and they had their label in France. So I moved to LA in 88. We uh, played a bunch in LA and man, I just, I, I, uh, I know I'm known maybe as a rock guy or metal guy, but man, when I was out with Dino for those years, it was, it was playing shows with like country Dick or uh, Mojo Nixon, um, uh, uh, Rudy Ray Moore, and uh, we played Club Lingerie with Rudy Ray Moore and Blowfly two nights in a row. And it was a weekend for us at Club Lingerie. We headlined and we were also Blowfly's band at the time, which so is these, pretty easy. So just, just for the record, this, the, these bands that you're mentioning, this style is this porno funk. Yeah, I don't want to say hodgepodge, but Straight it is. Straight up porno funk. 
<laughs> if y'all know Rudy Ray Moore, it's all yeah. just nasty, dirty rhymes and yeah, some okay. beat behind them. Okay. And if you know Blowfly, it's just a bunch of nasty, dirty rhymes <laughs> with beats behind them. So yeah. it's easy to learn his songs. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this one's called uh, the Blowfly's ABCs. Uh, follow me, fellas. And we'll start the riff like uh, D or whatever. And we just start vamping on a riff. He's like, A, angry pussy. B, big pussy. C, you know, J, you know to right. the fucking end of the alphabet. And that was 15 minutes of that. And then he, you know, he would just direct us. And that was the whole show. Uh, and then we get okay. up and put the costumes on and turn into Dino Lee's band after that. So, wow. so a lot of uh, wow. touring with uh, brought me to L.A. Yeah. Um, and I was in L.A. from uh, left in 88. I think I went back to Austin in about 93. And oh, I got frustrated in L.A. I got I got bothered by that because I went out there to rock. And I didn't find like-minded folks, I guess. I'm a clown show. I, I don't really take it too serious. And I found that uh, uh, there's uh, the, the hmm, folks I was meeting, I wasn't uh, really hitting it off with. Um, I was uh, identifying more with the uh, Jane's Addiction shows or Chili Pepper shows, the things like that, and trying to squeeze into that crowd, but I couldn't find a band to play with i don't know it was it was a strange time um what i was doing for work i started working for sir which if you're in the biz you know and you've rented from that big rental company uh, sir uh shit in road cases uh and uh, uh we would just do it they would put us in trucks and say here drive this isuzu over to the jay leno show and bring them this gear and you know it's like here here's the keys to an isuzu and now you're on the 101 looking around like, Jesus Christ, I've never driven a truck. And here you are. But uh, that was a good gig. Um, I ended up that getting... Uh, like, that doesn't sound like too bad of a gig, actually. It wasn't. It was a blast. It really was. Because wow. the guys at the shop were, if they weren't touring techs, they were at SAR. So yeah. what it did for me is enabled me to make some money as a tech, which I've done a lot in my life as well. But that's where that life started because of SAR. And uh, I ended up working for Tim Pierce, who is a uh, just one of the top uh, studio uh, guitar players and has his, uh, 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 his own channel, his YouTube stuff. He's like a Rick Beato style cat. His name's Tim Pierce. And I'm very proud to work for him in the beginning. Um, and, uh, and I met Chris and I got Chris working with me on that gig. And I introduced Chris to Dino and then so Dino brought Chris into the Love Johnson. So we got to back up Chris Conley, who ended Chris up Conley. the motor company. Thank you, Jason. Yes. Met at club lingerie playing a blow. Right. Uh, Dino Lee. Right. So I was just telling you that I couldn't meet anybody like-minded. Well, I met Chris, Chris Conley and I very like-minded. We're both, he's from Detroit. I'm from Chicago. So we kind of have that sense of humor thing. But we loved the funk and we enjoyed a good time. And Dino loved the guy to death. So, uh, okay, here's where we're tying back into Austin is that I got Chris into the band and <laughs> Dino put a, a shark fin on his oh. at one point, like a costume. So we called him Cold Cut Conley. I don't know what uh, that just came to mind. Anyway, 
So we played two shows at Liberty Lunch, and this must have been about 92 or so. And Dino booked two shows. We played Liberty Lunch two shows in a row with Dino Lee. And we were driving back to L.A. Um, seven of us packed in Dino's Cadillac, by the way, a purple 80s Cadillac with a big boomerang antenna on the back. Dino. <laughs> and Chris is like, uh, so you like uh, the Austin's pretty fucking cool. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is. He's like, why don't we uh, fucking go over there? All right. All right, let's go. It. So in about a month's time, we had both uh, left and he had to stop off in Detroit for a minute before he made it to Austin. But that's what made me leave L.A. because um, I love Austin so much. We had such a great time at those Liberty Lunch shows that I felt it again. I was like, oh, man. I don't have this in LA. This is something I, I, I'm a part of stuff that I've kind of earned a little bit. And I'm, I'm with, right. I'm, I'm playing shows and I'm seeing other old friends again, like, Hey man, where you been all this and that. And, and that's a damn good feeling. So, so that I, was 93. Yeah. 93. I think is when I started working for Wayne at the Austin rehearsal complex. I think that's when I okay. moved into those apartments. Yeah. No, I, oh, no, I was living in a, guitar booth at studio d on south lamar that's what got me into screw because adam came in and and him and danny do some recording and and then that's when danny loner asked me to take his place in screw right so yeah yeah and, that was then and and just for the record tell us tell us where danny loner ended up well danny loner ended up in nine inch nails that's right yeah and I would get calls from Danny. He he was so good to me, man. He uh, I, I'd have a screw guitar to show you, but I don't because he lent me his he, he uh, lent me his uh, Black Explorer, which is awesome. I almost knocked the headstock off at the back room, by the way, on that pole. But uh, it's another story. But yeah, Danny asked me to take his place in Screw, and that put me on tour with Screw and Adam Grossman. And all, all them fellas. And yeah. that was a damn good time. Industrial metal. I totally dug it. I got it because it was like the machine of like hip hop. It wasn't hip hop, but it had the machine groove. And I was like, oh, I got this. Churn, oh, I know this. Thing that the like churning thing. White Zombie had. That even Nine yeah. Nails had a little mm -hmm. bit. Of, yeah. Auschwitz 46. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I get, I get industrial metal because it does have uh driving grooves yeah absolutely i love the groove i love the four four the form the something that's just pounding i just i love it gets my heart going yep so i'm out with screw and i'm, I'm having a good time and um 94 mm, four ish five because we ain't quite started gmc yet nope so yeah i was doing that and that was good that was a good time um we played a show in LA and the label president came out to the show, saw it and Adam Grossman for those of, of the, you know, he, he, that's his band screw. And, uh, he's, uh, played in ministry has done a lot of production and a lot of stuff like that. Um, told me laughingly cause he, he loved Adam. He goes, Hey man, the uh, president of the label said, uh, you were a little bit too wild, a little bit too moving around too much. You're kind of you know, upstaging the, the band. I'm like, oh, shit, dude. I'll uh, 
I'll calm down. I don't know what I'm doing. He goes, Oh, fuck. No, no, keep doing what you're doing. But he just, he said that I thought it was funny. I was like, wow. All right. And, uh, yeah, that, that, that was funny. And then it turned out that I needed, uh, to just be in screw if I was going to play in screw. And it was a contractual thing with the management. And I said, I can't just be in one band. I, I do too much. I have too much other things. And, and uh, well, whether that's a mistake or not, I don't know, whatever. Oh, well, um, you know, it's one of those choices you make. And I'm like, you know, I just, I'm not going to marry a band for well, right now. Here's, and here's the deal. I'll just call, I'll just call. I'll just say it for you. You had your own songs you wanted to write. Yeah, you're right. You wanted to play your own songs. Yeah, you're right. What, what did you, this kind of throw this around a little bit? When were you asked to join Honky and why? What happened to the other guy kind of story? Because, you know, everybody sees Honky and thinks about you and Pincus. Yeah, man. You've had a lot of drummers. Yeah, yeah, a lot of drummers. And Very the, spinal tap with, uh, yeah, with and that. First, and GMC. So Carson and Pincus and Lance got a hold of me. They came to me when we moved our studio to the Ark. We had left downtown, and then I was, I was doing demos. I, I produced so many bands and their demos, and... Uh, I got a whole list of a bunch of cats and y'all sick came in and, and uh, uh, just all my friends came up to my studio. I did demos real quick demos for everybody. Anyway, uh, honky came in because Carson said, Hey man, he talks just like this. Hey man, let's go get Bobby to do it. He can get that band Highland sound for me. Cause he was real. He's so very Houston old school. Yeah. Brown sound cat. And uh, I was like, shit, man, I'll do the best I can. And they came in and did Beautiful Girls as a single. Yeah. And uh, Van Halen, Beautiful Girls. And uh, when that was, I was already a Honky fan. I had already been, we had played shows with Honky, Godzilla Motor Company and Honky. It was like, a, yeah. I'd go see him at- uh, The old Red Eye Fly and shit. Red Eye Fly and uh, Stubbs and, and here and there. And I was a big fan uh, because- my brain as a guitar player at the time lived somewhere between Tony Iommi and Billy Gibbons at all times. I shouldn't say just then, but anyway, I'm, even today. But so I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, I'd love to. I got that. Oh, what I'm saying is Carson goes, hey, man, I'm going to go back to Houston and this and that. You, you want to do this? I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I do. And gig. gave me the gig, man. Handed over the keys wow. to Honky. And uh Pinkus lived in San Marcos at the time. I just drive down there. We'd hang out at his house and his garage and throwing down songs. And uh, that's, that's what got me into honky. It's pretty, but it's I pretty guess I got to rewind bro, because oh, honky okay. was after GMC. No, I, I know that, but I yeah. want to kind of throw it up. Yeah, that's where that was. That's what so, happened. Yeah. So yeah, because uh, I don't even know if Pinkus was, was he done at that, at that time? I don't even so that would have been about 99, maybe. Maybe. What do you think? Maybe. When did maybe. we start hanging out? When was GMC? 98. So then, yeah. Um, because uh, I'm, I'm thinking Pincus and the butthole surfers thing, that was sort of slowing down or. He hadn't been a butthole surfer in a while at that point. Okay. Um, that's, okay. Uh, Daddy Longhead was his that's band right. before Honky. Okay. So yeah, he was out with uh, uh, Jimbo and uh, and uh, Ray Washam. Yeah. And, uh, so 
So screw, so screw is over. Screw's over. Or you leave screw or. I left screw. Yeah. And I'm back at the arc and I get, it brings me back to a memory of you coming in with Auschwitz, I'm sorry, Terminal 46. Yes, and you come in for a rehearsal and all of a sudden, I know you as a singer. I know you as a frontman entertainer, you know, and you come in and you're like, hey, bro, check out this tone. And you got an SG in your hand, a Marshall behind you. You're going, hug, 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 hug. And like the guys getting the machines ready. Yep. You're going, hug, hug, hug. I'm like, this is great. Wow. James Hetfield over. I love it. That's right. Well, you know what? I'd been writing songs. I had what I called. No one's listening, right? No. Blow two. Oh, yeah. Took a lot to come up with that. Blow two. And that was me and Ben and Crow because I moved back to Austin. So I got Ben and Crow back in a room together. And then I got Chris Conley in a room with us. So we called it Blow Two for okay. whatever reason. And we were right. doing some things. And it was me and Chris and Crow. Uh, Crow is the best of all three of us on the mic. And we just weren't right for that part. It just really wasn't working for us. And that's when I was doing Sound at the Arc for Terminal 46. You were playing guitar. And I thought, oh, if he can do that, he can play bass. Because Crow had left. He had moved. No, he didn't move yet. But he wasn't digging. But he was. He goes into a lot of different planets. My man's a hunter, a bass player, a poet. He, he's he's a multi-dimensional guy. Yeah. And at the time, he's like, yeah, this ain't me. I said, all right, cool. But I still wanted to jam with Ben. And I had Chris. And I thought, Jesus, if Jason can play Base for the record and, and sing. I, I always give Ben a little bit of this credit because he ran sound for Dangerous Toys on the tour on the artist formerly known as where I was playing bass and singing on that tour. There it is. So ben part was, of the connection. Absolutely. Ben was mixing the toys every night, mixing me and my bass playing every night for you know two months. I can see me and Ben having the conversation right now, like yeah, okay. dude, so Jason. You and I'd be like, dude, Jason. <laughs> It's exactly that conversation. And right. sure. You know what? I, I want to tell everybody this beautiful story. And if you ever find a band member that gives you this much love, good for you. I had this stuff demoed out in my studio instrumentally, this Godzilla Motor Company songs. And um, I gave to Jason on a cassette. I don't know how much time went by, two or three weeks. Like, hey, man, dig these songs. If you don't dig them, that's cool. I just thought, you know, the thing and the thing and the maybe. About two weeks later, I started hearing my messages on my machine. And it's Jason, big master, you, playing the songs behind you and, like, screaming lyrics on the songs on the answering machine. I would come home at night and just have the best time listening to you screaming these lyrics on top of the songs i sent you it's it was awesome and that's what i remember as the start to a beautiful relationship that we had and wrote all these great songs with godzilla motor company but that's really when that started and i'll never wow. forget those times it was beautiful man. well um we should i remember putting look he's holding up the cd hey we yeah, can, thing. 
we can talk about that now, but there really is. So, so let's take inventory. You're in, you're not in honky yet. No Your band is yeah. GMC was playing before I got into honky and you're working at the continental club. I'm living a triangle existence of the ARC apartments. Oh, okay. Working for Wayne at the Ark and going to the Continental Club and then coming home. So I was just, I lived on that block for years wow. just doing that. Yeah. yeah. It was great. So many of us. I mean, not just me, but, the, you know, uh, it was Jared, a Jared. Jared. Jared was living there too. Did you see him in there? I just saw Jared. He was up there. <laughs> you got to get close. Or you, That's right. You see him. That, I remember. I, I remember. Shandon and Jared. Go ahead. One of my uh, memories of Bobby is uh, I, w I went to the Continental Club and I don't often go to the Continental Club because typically it's not the type of music that I usually go see. But every once in a while, there'll be somebody that I'm interested in or, you know, whatever. And I remember going there and on, you know, two or three occasions, I walked in just randomly and there's Bobby running sound. And uh, I was always impressed with that because I knew the... Uh, the reputation and the legend of the continental club. And I thought, man, they must, this guy must have his shit together if they're entrusting him to run the sound at this place <laughs> that is so revered, you know? And so I, I was going to ask you if, if you don't mind taking a detour. It, when, Come you, on. when you were running sound at the continental club, was there a, was there ever a, a band because the continental club, you know, Back in the day, hosted Stevie Ray Vaughan, the Fabulous Thunderbirds, a lot of uh, a lot of bands that were associated with Austin, even though they might not have been from Austin. But was there ever a time when you were running sound for somebody that you you were you were actually kind of like a little bit in awe of the fact that you were entrusted to run the sound for this person? Um, night after night, and I say that because yeah, man. And my weekends would be a surprise. But for the most part, I'd, I'd have regular bands that played on their regular nights. And so I had these wonderful relationships with these bands. Like John D. Graham, who's one of my big heroes. He, he just, I love everything he does. And I got to mix him for years and years on every Wednesday. James McMurtry would be after him. The Paladins. Yeah. The Paladins I was in awe of. And yes, I got to mix them every time. Uh, Royal Crown Review. It might have been a I Sons mean, of Hercules gig that I walked into. Sounds perfectly right. Man, Steve is not afraid to book any crazy rock thing that he gets talked into. Yeah. yeah. Any of us would say, hey, man, I had Godzilla Motor Company at Continental Club. I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know. It's funny. We had a shoeshine. Charlie was there, right? Shoeshine. Charlie had a shine uh, stand right in front of my uh, sound booth and him and I always had this thing. And, and um, he's a old black man in his Kango and his jumpsuit that matches Kango and his cane. And Bobby, what is this sons of Hermacule or something? What is all that bullshit? Just like that. And like, uh, you know, but Charlie's are cool to things and things. And, I'd come in with Godzilla Motor Company. Like, Bobby, you don't need to bring that in here. That ain't right for the Continental Club. That ain't right. <laughs> I remember that guy. That's right. A lot of people do, and he made himself known and and was very. It was it didn't. It was a big deal when he passed away, right? Because he did. Yes. Passed away. Uh, he was a big part of the club. He was there all the time. Him. Yeah. Yeah. He would look out for 
the ladies. You know how fellas get a little bit too whatever. And Bobby, you see that motherfucker over there? You keep your eye on that motherfucker. You know, and I and I I'm in the perch, right? So I'm like right. overseeing stuff. And yeah, I pulled a bunch of cats out of there that were fucking up. And Charlie <laughs> kind of point to them and I'm like, all right. So I was a muscle for a little bit. I didn't enjoy that part of the job, but you had to do it. We haven't talked about down. We haven't uh, talked about how that came to be. Sure, right on. You you have uh, an extensive history of guitar teching and bass teching for some of your idols as I well. Sure have, man. Absolutely. Some of your friends and sure have. Uh, you know from whether it be Ian Moore who comes from a local scene to Dusty Hill. Oh man, the Ian yeah. Moore got me into the Dusty Hill gig. I'd love to tell that story. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. We'll move yeah. to GMC, but I'll say one more story because I love this story. All right. I got to tell this story. So I'm working at the Ark and Ian Moore rehearses at the Ark. Oh, By the way, the Ark is the Austin rehearsal complex. We haven't really established that. It's a, that's right. an, old, an old school Austin place. You could, you know, bands can rent rooms and write their songs and they had a recording studio. And at one point me and Bobby and all of our friends pretty much worked there. So yeah. Jared, our producer as well, that's right. also worked there. So Jared. And if I'm not mistaken, ARC ARC is the ARC in Archangels. Is that correct? Right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they yeah. were born there, that That's group, correct. super yeah. group, if you That's will. That's where they rehearsed and called themselves the Archangels. All right, best spot in town, and, and not only rehearsal, but it was our clubhouse. It was like you go there during the day when you got nothing to do because, you know, you I was always there. there. Yeah. I was always there at 11, a, or 11 p.m. on Tuesday nights with all the punk rock bands because that's oh, the yeah. time they could rehearse. They could oh, yeah. record it. Exactly. Yeah, dragging in ice chest full of beer. Blue, and watch Blue light special. Exactly. Yeah. It contradicts and, you know. Because anyone, any daddy-o would be rehearsing there. And at any time, at any time of the week, Jared be producing somebody out of the other room or something in there. The first, always. Time, I, the first time I ever set foot in that place, I was going to college in San Marcos and I was an aspiring music journalist and I was writing for the campus newspaper and I went to the ARC, the ARC, if you will, uh, to interview Ian Moore. And wow. he was one of my first interviews and I have a picture awesome. of me and him. I just remember the thing is, I, I remember walking in to the place and knowing its history, but had never been there before. And the minute I walked in, I just felt surrounded by greatness, you know, and then I, you were, I, I was, yeah, absolutely. And then I went into the, the room that Ian had where he was rehearsing. And I don't know if I was interviewing him before or after rehearsal, but it was just me and him, not his band. And we were just sitting there and, you know, I'm asking questions and rolling tape and all this stuff. But uh, that was my first venture into the arc. And it's funny that you bring up Ian Moore because that's what triggered that memory. Right on. And, and let me jump here because that's one of my favorite stories in the world because my big mouth got me on tour with ZZ Top in about 15 minutes. Because I'm working up front and we're sitting there and, and this guy named Mark was Ian's tour manager and Ian was rehearsing in a room that we have. And uh, this guy's on the phone and I'm watching history channel, fuck whatever, you know, just working at the arc and cats on the phone. Sort of, Ian Moore, it was easy top 
tour. Need a guitar tech. And it took him about five more minutes of conversation. I'd never met the guy in my life. I know Ian, but he hung up the phone and I said, hi, my name's Bobby. I'll be doing the guitar tech gig for the Ian Moore ZZ Top Tour. And he goes, uh, does Ian know? And I said, wait right here. I run back to room two and Ian's in there. Hey, Ian, you need a tech. I got you, man. We got this. He's like, uh, does Jan know? That was his manager. I go, wait right here. And I go to the third spot in the arc, which was a tech room. We'd fix cables or whatever. And I get on a phone. I'm like, hey, Jan, it's Bobby. Um, I'll be doing Ian Moore's guitars on the ZZ Top Tour. She goes, does everybody know? I go, yeah. She goes, okay, great. So then I make a left, finish the circle, and I go back to the office, and this guy, Mark, I never met in my life. I go, yeah, man, everybody knows. It's all good. In like 10 minutes, I was on tour with ZZ Top. That might have been Mark Proct. Mark, no. Mark Proct. Oh, it was Mark, Mark Proct. Okay. Uh, he, he was tour manager, uh, sound guy. Oh, okay. All and, right. uh, Jimmy Mathis, if anybody yeah, knows of Jimmy Mathis, was the uh, other tech on that tour. But I met yeah. Jimmy shortly after that. Yeah, but my big mouth got me on tour with ZZ Top in about five minutes because of the Austin rehearsal complex, and about right. all and then the you were, so people. you were checking for Ian, but you ended up doing some top Leipzig, Germany, uh, in Europe on the European part of the Antenna tour, Antenna record, and I'm on stage right with Dusty and his text. So we're down, we're talking every day, yada yada, and man, I'm at breakfast one morning, and all the fucking heavies are looking over at me and Jimmy eating breakfast. I'm like, I got some eggs on my face. I'm so, you know, the wrong shirt, uh, you know, and, uh, the tour manager comes up to our table and he goes, Hey man, would you like to base tech for dusty after your Ian Moore gig? Because our base tech, his appendix blew up and he's in the hospital and we need help. Will you do it? Cash no problem. Don't worry about uncle Sam. We got you. And I said, well, yeah. And so then I was working for Ian and dusty Hill on the same tour. So you, what a great story. Ah, great story. Great story. So, um, did you also at one point work for Billy Gibbons or am I, am I? No. Uh, well, you know what? I have worked for Billy, but in the most recent couple of years, I got a call from Charlie Sexton who was, uh, had Billy out with him, uh, with, uh, I fuck, what was it? Oh my God. It was a bunch of cats, just a bunch of cats. Yeah. I, I'm on a list and I get phone calls like, Hey, Bobby, we've got the thing. And it's Charlie like, Hey man, you guitar tech. It's like me and Billy and something, something. And I say, yeah. And we go and do stuff. You so, know? So yeah. How cool is this? We started this whole conversation with you talking about falling in love with the Fandango record. And now we're at a point in the story where you're teching for Dusty Hill and on speed dial with Billy Gibbons when he needs you. That's exactly right. That's amazing, dude. Yes. <laughs> Not so much speed dial with Billy Gibbons, but my biggest Billy Gibbons love is that I, I had... Uh, giving him a most recent honky record when I did that gig I'm talking about. And he emails me back and has this lovely paragraph oh. about the growling tones and all this stuff. And he's a friend of nice. Paul Leary who helped us uh, mix that record. And um, yeah. And so 
he's awesome. a, a fan of, of of that record and he told me a lot of stuff why he loves the guitar so yeah. much on that record and uh, so that's a big deal yeah yeah wow, that is a big deal man uh, what a big so, deal. that's that's mm, Billy fucking Gibbons we're, we're gonna get to the GMC record but I'm telling you right now we gotta tell you we gotta t get you to tell the story about how Honky is doing a gig in New Orleans somewhere. Uh, they got down is going. Oh wow! You're okay. in New Orleans or something, and you're playing a gig with Crowbar, or oh. am I even close? You're here's here's how close you are. Okay, Pe Pepper and Jimmy were always at our Honky shows in New okay. Orleans. Mm -hmm. uh, super you're group, talking about one Jimmy, of those. Jimmy Bauer, Jimmy Bauer, and Pepper, Pepper Keenan. Keenan. Yep. Right. Um, would always be at the honky shows like uh, pepper would put us up sometimes if we didn't have a place you guys cool you know like that style mm -hmm. and um i met kirk winstein on another honky run where him and i ended up uh, uh meeting a, a, a mutual friend gary cato uh brought me over to his house hey bobby you gotta meet kirk is a new orleans thing and you know five people that talk like this every one of you do yeah hey, uh, Kirk uh, Winstein, we'll go over to his house, hang out for a little bit. So we go over to his house, and me and Kirk hit it off. We're playing guitar, we're drinking beers, we're talking about Michael Schenker. It was just him and I spent uh, over twenty four hours just in each other's face with he's, guitars. He's showing, he's showing you his Michael Schenker tattoo. Hey, All of it. hey, hey Rocco, hey Rocco, <laughs> check it out, Rocco. That Michael Schenker, Rocco. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I just fell in love with Kirk. We were really yeah, good friends, even now. Big old but, teddy bear, good old yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he gave me a call to come and tech for down because uh, they needed a tech. So all right. Uh, so, yeah. so how how long did you tech for down before you were named an official member of the band? Basically, because I know you were part of the down family for years. I guess before I started in two thousand seven, it was the Over the Under tour, and they were going to the end of the tour was in Australia with Heaven and Hell, Dio, Heaven and Hell. So that was my first run with down and i took care of stage right which was uh kirk and rex brown yeah and now what I, a time that was Woo! I <laughs> I, now, a, lot, a lot of stuff a lot of stuff i remember there was a photo on facebook i think at one point where it's you and the down crew the the band and the crew and i don't know if you guys were celebrating somebody's birthday or the end of a, a tour leg or something but in the background is the Acropolis. You're in Greece. Am yeah. I correct? What's yeah, we were, uh, went to Europe a bunch. We've been to Greece three times. And uh, one time I got to be a band member of one of those tours. Um, it was it was a hotel uh, rooftop. Uh, I think it maybe was a, a Phillips or Kirk's birthday dinner that we were having on top of a hotel. And you saw the Acropolis behind. That's amazing. They're amazing uh world uh uh tours i've done with them to, and saw so much saw so much and did so much pepper keenan man hey bobby get up man we gotta go walk we gotta go check this out we're in bulgaria we gotta go we gotta go check it out i mean whatever i just pepper was very he just chose me 
all the time because nobody else wanted to. Fuck you, Papa. I ain't going out. <laughs> Fuck that, bro. Yeah. I ain't going out, bro. Yeah, but me and Pepper all the time. I've always thought it was amazing that, uh, I mean, I thought it was amazing when you were teching for him. And then, then when you got the- I did too. I, I did too, man. And we shouldn't forget you recorded an album. You, you are, you're, you're immortalized forever as a band member on the a down album. Damn, man. That's a heavy flag I got to plant. And that means the world to me. It does. Absolutely. It's an amazing thing for me. Somebody like me coming out of all the shit I've been talking about. It's like, how do I end up and down the fucking superstar band that they are? Um, because yeah. I'd spent a lot of years in the bus, a lot of years on tour. And I just know and love the circus that it is and got to when Kirk. All right, let me rewind. And I'm not. This isn't talking shit on down or any of the what goings on, but of you think not. about those band members and you have to think about what five, six bands. You can't think about down. You got to think about COC, uh, yeah. uh, Superjoint, uh, I Hate God, and Crowbar. Uh, did I say COC? Of course. Yeah. Um, Pantera. Yeah. And the business that has to go on with everybody's lives and, and they come together and do a down tour. So it's really tough. And I have to say it was tough on, and on all of us, not knowing when we were going to on tour all the time. It wasn't like that was the band everybody was in and you did that tour and you took care of that biz. Wait for a, a hit God or a crowbar thing or a COC thing or a super joint thing, or, you know, you had to wait for that. And then down would go out. Me, I got, I got, Honky, I, I think I, uh, GMC um, wasn't going on at the time. So I, I needed to book honky tours and, and, and Kirk Winstein needed to book crowbar. He was having a hard time booking crowbar tours because of the inconsistency of the down work. So he said, hey man, and as y'all know, even to this day, how much Kirk puts into the crowbar and how many records he's done since he left down is probably three yeah, or four in the last five, the seven solo, years. Solo record. Right, exactly. Right Crowbar. Crowbar. Yeah. So he'll put a record out a year if you let him. Yeah. So that's what he wanted. And that's what he got. And he, he basically, here I am again, handed over the key to the gig from the motherfucker and which there is you go stuff. bobby don't and, fuck it up yeah hey rocco you ain't driving are you all right here you go <laughs> and uh man i got the gig because again my big mouth is like hey man you know i got this to everybody and everybody knows it because i play with them i've got I, I can't maybe can't say 10 years but somewhere between eight and ten years on a bus before i got the gig so yeah, I was I was already in the in, in intermeshed in it. Yeah. There was a Hellfest show at one point, and this is what I think really got me the gig is that there was a Hellfest show we played, and we were there with Down for the weekend. And if y'all know about Hellfest, it's 30 of all your favorite metal bands. Is it France? The, for, is that in France? Yes, yeah. Yes. Clisson, France. And we got 
uh, I don't know, our tour manager, Snake Sabo from Skid Row was our tour manager. And he came up to the band and said, hey, uh, they had a bunch of people drop off. I think it was, you know what it was? It was Clutch dropped off of a big show because uh, the singer had just lost his father, I believe mm. was the story. I, I might not be correct, but I think I'm correct. So um, the the promoters from Hellfest asked our bucks because that represented five bands. So Philip and Pepper and Jimmy and Kirk decided, yeah, all right, uh, we'll do some Crowbar songs. We'll do some I Hate God songs. We'll do some COC songs. And we got this. So we got the clutch spot. But um, Pepper looks at me like a minute after they said that, he goes, you got you got this right coc with me right you got that right i'm like yeah man i got that i didn't really but uh yeah fuck i got that so uh (laughs) they put together a quick crowbar band and you know uh pepper's on bass jimmy's on drums kirk's singing and of course uh uh you know you have pat bruders who was playing in crowbar as well as down playing bass for all this stuff and Jimmy's got I hate God stuff, and uh, and our uh, 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 one of our uh, tour people, uh, uh, Kate Richardson. I, I wanted to call her tour manager, but I think Snake was still our tour manager. But she is and has been tour manager for Down since then. Anyway, just thinking about titles here. But anyway, uh, she sang for I Hate God. Wow! And uh, uh, Philip played guitar or bass for the I Hate God set, and <laughs> and. Uh, uh, we did COC, so man, you know, I got to play lead guitar on the COC songs. So, Whoa. um, I think it was that, you know, Pepper looking to his right and like, you know, I'm in the foxhole with you, bro. I got you, and I did. I played it just fine, and we had a great time. But I think that's what secured my down spot, just because Pepper knew I could just hang and and uh, also down took out Honky for two tours. So actually, I, I did a lot of work, guitar tech and stage managing, playing in honky and uh, on, on those tours. Well, I, I, I think one of the things that people are, don't really think about, I mean, when you, when you talk about, you know, taking somebody's place in a band, the first thing the general public thinks about is, do you, do you have the goods? Can you deliver? Can you play? But what most people don't think about it that's critically important i would imagine is can you hang are you a, are you the kind of person i can live with on a bus for six weeks or two months or whatever the case may be and you prove that you, you know before you were a band member you were a guitar tech so you were in the family you're with these people 24 7 and you've proven that you're the kind of guy that isn't going to drive them nuts. You can, you know, Oh yeah. And that, and I think a lot of people just in general, the general public doesn't think of that as being necessarily a qualification that's critically important to, to stepping into those types of shoes. Dave, that's a big point. And that's a big point for down, especially because man, bringing some stranger into that circus, you know, Cause we were pretty much, and I say we, cause after you do fucking over five, six, seven, eight years, it's we, we were a tight crew. We had our thing, just had our groove and I was already in. And yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So um, I, I have to agree with that. That was a big part of it that I got the gig too, because I was already there. Yeah. So when you're, when, uh, with, without it, you know, being um, a bitter uh, end to your exit from down, was it just like a fade away? Phillips was like, hey, I'm getting the old band back together because we're doing a reunion and da 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 da. Was it that kind of a thing or was it? Um, it was absolute uh, shock, I think, okay. what ended it. Um, uh, it was during a NAM show a couple of years back. And um, uh, Philip uh, went to one of uh, uh, Rita's uh, uh, dime bashes. Right. And, I know where um, you're going with this. I yeah. Think, um, I think everybody knows where you're going. Yeah. And um, yeah, that was a tough scene. Um, yeah. Because uh, Philip went out and made uh, a lot of people unhappy, I guess. I'll just say that. Uh, that day, that night. And um, we got a lot of flack for that. Um, we as a band, I don't know. I, I yeah. Maybe I shouldn't even say we at that point because um, uh, folks were mad at Philip and um, rehearsing uh, before one, another uh, European festival tour. And we were in New Orleans and we were about to the next day and Snick called us uh, at rehearsal and said, hey man, um, some of the uh, festivals are dropping down off the headlines. So we're not going to this uh, festival or this festival. And uh, so the rest of the festivals ended up uh, dropping down um, off the bill. So that that was a hard line stop to yeah. the band. That's yeah, when we stopped that, playing. Yeah, that's tough. And yeah, that was tough. And um, um, uh, uh, Philip, after that, um, I will just say my opinion is that he was a bit gun shy with down because of the bad press from, from that business, but he brought out super joint and I went out with super joint too. I was teching and stage managing just cause I'm used to being in the, in the crew and in, in sure. the bus. I'd been with Philip on a bus for long, many years at that point. So I just uh, kept with it. But uh, the down stuff never resurfaced and, and, um we did that last record it was down uh part four i'm sorry down four part two the idea was that the fourth record was going to be four eps and is going to be four eps i'm sure it's going to finish out but um they got the first one and i did witch tripper with kirk and, and that first one and so i got to do the second one uh with we knew him well and and all of those songs and uh, the third and fourth might still happen. So um, the reason I say that is because they got together with Kirk because Kirk, man, had uh, by this point, he's done like five records and he's happy again. And he's fucking crowbars doing anything they want to do. And, and, makes, and so Kirk got invited to come back and down. And right. man, of course he did, man. Yeah. You know, I, I'd make a Judas reference and say, well, yeah, if KK wanted back in, he's in, you know, because that's what it is to me in my brain. But it's funny that KK's priest and all that stuff's going on. Anyway, Kirk Weinstein down. Yes, of course. And they did the whole NOLA record or, or the best songs from the NOLA record on mm -hmm. the, on this thing uh, live. Uh, 
Yeah, the streaming um, concert. Yeah, the streaming concert. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so now they're they're doing it. They're doing um, Las Vegas uh, uh, Fest uh, coming up right. a couple months, next month or something. But yeah, Kirkland's yeah, time's cool. back. Anyway, yeah. that's a it's a that's a that's a such a fantastic ride. Okay, I'm just gonna we're gonna do it now. Yeah. Finally, cue the Godzilla CD. I have Godzilla stuff in bits and pieces because of, Jason was kind enough to share with me. Um, so to my knowledge, this is the first time the whole thing has been sort of compiled and, and certainly the first time it's been, uh, our, our show producer here, Jared, um, I don't know if it's remixed, remastered. Yeah, see, do you see him, Bobby? I saw him. Okay. <laughs> I did. I, I saw him. You guys, you guys fill me in on the technical stuff. Cause I don't do technical, but I don't know if this is remixed, remastered, both, whatever, but it is the first time that I think that, um, Godzilla motor company, is it fair to say this is the first time that all your material has gotten a proper release? Yes. Okay. All of it. You guys take yep. it from here. Okay. I'd say proper because it's, it's done properly and it's produced as a record. And uh, the things that went out before were all little demos um, that we, oh God, we might've sold some at shows. I, I actually don't remember. It's unfortunate. I five, bucks about that. For a, okay. five bucks for a CDR with an, okay. you know, it was DIY. It was the punk yeah. rock style, you know, Hey, totally. it was like tape trading, you know, it was like, Hey, we sold right. some demos tonight at our show. <laughs> right. Totally I, have, that. I have some straight up burn uh, CDs with a Sharpie written on it. And then mm -hmm. I have something that uh, some of your fans may also have, which had like a, a dragster race car on the cover. Yeah, yeah, that's a Jim Butler special. Ah, Jim Butler. A good old. Well, he Jim helped Butler. us compile that shit back in the day. I, I, I chose the drag racing stuff. I think he was, was the only. Fan. I think he was the only one of us that had a computer that would burn. That was CDs. true too. That's true. <laughs> okay, well you've come. He was our sound man, and you've come a long way from. Yeah, come a long way. So back then, I think it's 2002, if I'm correct, Jason. You're correct. Yeah, um, sessions were. We, we went to go do it for real. And we we cut the tracks on two inch tape, and we finished cutting it all in Pro Tools. And and I just got a Pro Tools rig, and we were at our studio. By this time, it went from downtown to the Arc to the Music Lab, and we're the Music Lab hit, at this hit point. Shack, hit Shack, oh, Hit Shack, yeah, where yeah. we did the drums. We did That's the drums right. at the Hit Shack, and we yeah. um, we we literally cut pretty much everything else in room 93 at St. Elmo. Yeah. Uh, uh, music lab. That's right. That's right. So All together oh, and we had it going on and I gotta just kind of say with uh, needing some help from Jason on this, I, I, we, we had been beating it up for a lot of years. And I think at this point, our fourth, five, fifth drummer was about to quit. And, and Chris uh, was, uh, had to move to Detroit. Um, uh, his father was having health problems and he had to go help out his dad. And we were kind of at a, a frustrated point with the band. Jason refers to it as the rope-a-dope kind of thing. You just get hit and hang on. And we were doing that the best we could. And I think we gave up. Um, it breaks my heart. I, I, I wish Jason and I would have kept it going with other members or something just to keep it going, honestly. But um, those tracks got made, got put away in my computer. 
and all these years have gone by. We, we ended up, uh, the band uh, fell apart. And in, two, in 2002, we had recorded every, every song that, that was right. literally a, a composition. And right. there are, there are 16 songs. Yeah. I know your CD has 15, but we've added another song and, and we've got That's a right. second batch. So there's, there's two right. batches. You can have a, one has 15 and there's a new one coming that 16 and pretty yeah. much everything else is the same. So I just want to say that it was only, you know, a minute, uh, just a, a tiny increment easier maybe for me and Bobby to let it go because Bobby was busy with honky and I was busy with broken teeth. Yes. I mean, there were uh, projects that I was doing that I had to let go so I could get the GMC thing, try to get the wheels rolling on the GMC thing. Cause right. if you don't remember in, in this episode, we've talked about uh, terminal 46. We haven't mentioned union underground, but those were the two oh, groups that I was involved That's in. That's right. Right. And I quit both of those. I said, this is my last gig. This is da-da-da-da-da right. because I've got this other thing going called Godzilla Motor That's Company. Right. And da, 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 da. Um, ironically, Jared has been kind of been there the whole time with us because Jared, a lot of people don't remember this maybe, um, when they bring up Terminal, I go, do you remember Jared was a member of Terminal 46? Jared played guitar with me in Terminal 46. I remember. Do you remember yeah. Jared? Wow. Jared? you remember member anyways you don't remember <laughs> so okay so so uh we have people, you know people listening are gonna get this man oh, i love it so we, get, we you know all of these years go by and and basically bobby's you know half of bobby's story that he just told comes to fruition um the things that happened to me between 2002 and right now are five episodes so you know we can't even go there so the interesting thing is is i can't believe it that after all these years this material is still viable it sounds like it just came out because it did damn, i love it i love it but the songs are completely as good as good as anything out there if you like heavy music that's out right now i mean gmc to me and i hope i don't get shot at for saying this but it's like you it, i just get a bad taste in my mouth when i say new metal mm -hmm. but gmc has a classic rock thing but it's also science fiction yeah and it's also what you love about the first three or four metallica records yeah but it also has like I don't know, prong yeah. and good call, you no. know? Yeah. Like helmet, prong, living color, priest yeah. riffs. Oh, it's, dude. It's funky in yeah. places. Oh, it is. Um, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Bobby, for the funk. <laughs> you're welcome. So uh, bring that funk. I, I feel like, um, I got to finally make a really big record with and play bass on it. Yeah, 16 songs where I get to finally, I mean, I, I made the Toys record in 95, 96, where I'm singing and playing bass, but, you know, that's like eight or 10 songs. And, you know, I think that 
that makes that toys record sort of important to the story of Godzilla Motor Company. Oh, I sure. Because, you know what I mean? Because yeah. if you listen to that, that record, that mid nineties record by a cock rock band where, you know, it's very alternative tinged yeah. and I'm playing bass on it. Yeah. It's like a melts. Little did we know it would Back just to the fact that me and Ben both recognized how you could play and sing and like, Oh my God, a couple of we years that in what we're doing. That that's what was missing from what we had. Absolutely. Yeah, Within, within two years, I feel like it was this sort of like, you know, amoeba, you know, that was kind of like, you know, spilling out of its shell kind of thing. I want to say, um, and, and you guys may be aware of this, uh, but as somebody who's not in the band, obviously, but I've always been sort of surprised at how many people out there, just fans still talk about Godzilla Motor Company, how many times I've heard real. Damn. I wish we could get a Godzilla gig. I wish we could get a Godzilla record. And I'm and I've always thought that was really, really cool that because let's face it, I mean, you you guys weren't around that long and you didn't really put out a what I would call a proper album. You played gigs, you played gigs and you built an audience for for sure. I'm not gonna deny that. But given how little output you had and for the limited amount of time that you are around, you're still well remembered by a lot of people in Austin and probably elsewhere. And I've always thought it was really cool. That's why I'm really excited about this for, for the, for the fans. So excited that you have that in your hands. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Because, because I've just always been impressed that people remember what, you know, I don't mean this in a disparaging way, but Godzilla was kind of a blip on the radar, you know, especially when you consider all the other bands that you guys have been a part of that could easily overshadow something that was as fleeting as Godzilla Motor Company. But people remember Godzilla and people are longing for a new anything. I've heard people ask me, you know, is there any chance, you know, we could get a Godzilla Motor Company reunion for a gig and that sort of thing? Or so, you know, you're 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 definitely well remembered, well revered, and I think this is going to make a lot of people very very happy. So you should tell them where they can get this. I want to talk about the record just a little bit more. It's actually I don't really have a home plate that people can dial up and actually purchase this record yet. But very soon, I don't have a date. I mean, this this episode won't come out for another week or two, but right. very soon it's going to be available for download on all platforms. Okay? It, it'll be available on Amazon, Target, all that stuff. You'll be able to buy it online. I don't have a direct outlet that I can just give you, go to GodzillaMotorCompany.com, and, you know, I don't have that. I don't have that. But don't fret because it is going to be, I don't have a release date. I can't help you right now, but Amazon target, it's going to be available but very I, soon. I, I'll well, tell I'm you sure what, that, I think, I think that news alone will, will, will make people happy. They know yeah. something is on the horizon because they've yeah. been asking for it for a long time. Yeah. Dave, that oh. news alone makes us all very happy. Just yeah, the fact the, that we did the, it, man. This yeah. was, um, what this did you do during the pandemic? Well, we dug up this old record, man. Yeah, let's and, talk about that. Yeah, and we so got you it out. Had a, 
you had a hard drive with all the songs on it? Yeah, I had my old Pro Tools 001, for those of you who know, the very first Pro Tools that came out, and that's what we cut the stuff on, uh, was yeah. on my uh, 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 Apple, my, my uh, tower. And uh, during this time in COVID, and uh, my wife and I moved into yet another uh, place, a house that we're in now, but uh, I whipped out the tower and, and you and I, Jason, were invited to talk on your boys program uh, mm -hmm. um, uh, about the record. Cobra, Cobra Cast. Cast. Bobby, yeah. Bobby was asking us about the band and the record and this and that. And so it was kind of like this conversation without the record in hand. And um, honestly, it kind of put a bug in our ear. And I just went, I don't know. It's kind of in this computer. So got it up and I'm like, wow, it's still here. And it still plays. And then uh, one of us said, one of us said, well, why don't we, why don't we take that computer tower over to Jared? Oh, I definitely thought of Jared. Did you see him in there? And G I did. I, think I, I saw him. him. He went like this. Yeah. But I saw moved him. out of the way. Yeah. So we went to Jared and Jared, my computer, and Jared mixed it for us. And my God, what we have in our hands now is so amazing. It's um, it's what we couldn't do back then sonically. And uh, Jared's amazing. And Jared pulled out uh, the best of us on these old ass tracks, man that we did so many years ago and uh but yep. at the time we cut these tracks we were on top of our game so the the, the takes and the tracks are fucking hitting because we were and i'm whatever we was yeah. fucking hitting and yeah we were a working band yes so we were we were on our game recording and gigging and recording and exactly. gigging and recording yeah so what we had on tape was us at our best and i think that's uh what made this sound so great is that we were at the top of our game when we cut it so absolutely family family members uh, in need of mention uh jared mixed it uh mastered by danny stapleton who yeah danny we've known forever i've known danny since he was 12. yeah um uh todd dylan who engineered uh todd dylan engineered that's right over at uh hit shack, hit shack. um eric to talk on drums that's right. Uh, uh, Chris Conley guitar, and then me and Bobby. Um, you know, the, there's there's all kinds of stories we could tell. The I remember, you know, everybody knows that I have all these old Gibson basses because I I love I love Gene Simmons. Uh, yes, my name is Jason. I'm a, I'm a Kiss fanatic. Hi, Jason. Hi, so uh, you know, I have these old Gibson you know, rippers and grabbers. And I used to play those at Godzilla shows and everybody knows that. Oh, cool bass, cool bass. In the studio, I could not get the tone that was needed to do that. So what'd you play um, in the studio? Dude, he played a fucking music man with a low B, five string bass. And at the time, nobody was fucking playing a five string I, bass. I had never, I had not, especially not me. Had, he was. I had never played a five string bass, but the story goes like this. So I have all these cool vintage seventies Gibson basses and uh, you know, I did them at all the gigs and I actually tracked the original bass tracks at the hit shack to, you know, when they're cutting the drums, I'm playing a Gibson, right. And I'm singing. So, you know, those were scratch tracks. So I'm trying to, you know, recut the bass um, over at in room 93 at the music lab. And I'm just not, it's not happening. 
It's just not happening. And I, I said, this is, I'm getting fed up. This is not the right tone for the record. I got in my car. I went out right over to South Austin music and I talked to our buddy, Bill Welker. I said, here's the story. What do you got? He goes, you can take anything in here on the wall. Just take anything. He goes, and I think he said, but probably what you're looking for is that music man five string right over there. Yeah, I, did. I didn't even, I didn't even think, Oh, it's a five string. I just said, I got to go. Yeah. He goes, just, just call me later. Let me know, you know, when you want to bring it back and that's fine. No problem. So that's I right. get in there and I plug it in and I didn't even, I just plugged it in. I didn't, we didn't change any knobs. We didn't do right. anything with the EQ. We just plugged it in and went, jumped right on out it was the tone was amazing yeah um you know i'd never used even like active pickups those are pickups that take batteries and more it's it's yeah. more berry you know more berry and uh and so i uh you know didn't really know what to expect as far as like the velocity like yeah. how hard i'm gonna play the strings because on a passive yeah. pickup you know, you can, you can get, you can hit it and yeah. it'll, the bass will take it. Yeah, but yeah. with an active pickup, I had to play softer. It's like, the, get, get this. It's like learning Kung Fu. The softer I hit, the louder it was in the mix. You understand? Yeah. Louder yeah, it is through the amp. So yeah. I had to learn. It was a technique thing. Technique thing. And for the real techies of this subject, yeah. we wrote, Chris and I wrote a bunch of these songs. We take that low, we take the E and dump it down to C or dump it down to D or dump it down to B for dump the song. Down. And Jason had that fifth low string to dump it down to wherever we were. So he always had that super, super sub low note. Yeah, it was a low, it was a low, it's a low B string and all players are going to know that. So, so for C, if it was a song in C, I was actually tuned it up tune the B up just a half step. Yeah, it was really weird to me. Yeah. And I got used to it. And I really would leave the rest of the the bass alone. Right. Um, and I might drop the E to D uh, and still leave the B because it still right. worked that way quarterly. And so almost re had had to relearn how to play the songs while the red lights on while i'm recording you did a fantastic job my friend thank you, you very really much did. you did a fantastic um, job of that i think that anyone's you know like jared you know jared wow it sounds amazing what'd you do i turned up the bass yeah right <laughs> so, right which is a great that's a great answer you right. know sure is um, but i want to do this real quick like maldicion which is one of the songs on the record Love there's that. a lot of b well that's a b and so i'm used to playing i don't have a low b i'm on this piece of shit four string old gibson right so when i when i get to the second part of the verse i I get, yeah. I get, had somewhere else to go. Yeah, you did. Uh, that was like, you know, yeah, it added a whole other like five yes. more arms to the monster that we already had. So, which you'll hear if you buy the Godzilla Motor Company record. Yeah, when it here when on K10. That's right. So, let me ask you real quick, uh, before we, before we wrap up. Uh, the Godzilla thing um, is this also the time and the band and the recordings that you were working on when Lars Ulrich took an interest in uh, he had that you know that boutique label and uh, the record company 
Yeah, whatever. I, that's yeah, what that's it what it was called. called was yeah, it? Yeah, the record company. There, did I hear somewhere that? Uh, I, I I don't I don't think that he ever heard it. I don't think that he. I think you're you might be getting that confused with something else. Might might have been some buzz on the street or something. I thought well, there was you know there was a lot of um, you know you know all those like Sharpie on the CDR and the Xerox that thing and yeah. i've got like six versions of i know people who have kept them all they have like yeah. five or six versions of i have of different three song little you know hey we're doing another south by oh let's put these newer right. songs on it and we yeah. like there's one that we put out the shapeshifter yeah uh, we yeah. had shapeshifter and maybe concubine or something on it but anyway um yeah, yeah. uh the you know, there's a there was a lot of people out there that uh, loved Godzilla Motor Company. Yeah. And if we if we would burn twenty five of them and give them all away or sell That's a couple up for gas money or whatever yeah. during a South by, whether it was someone walking down yeah. the street with a with a Motorhead shirt on or whatever, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, that's how that happened. But it happened like you know three or four South by Southwest festivals in a row yeah yeah um when we would open for you know touring bands like i mentioned earlier we opened for suicidal a couple of times yeah um we we actually opened for and this was like a tuesday night at Stubbs. we i don't know if bobby remembers this we actually opened for this at the time was a new band called trapped i don't David, do you know who Trapped is? I yeah. don't. I, I know who they are for all the wrong reasons. Right. Oh, right. They were a brand new band playing on a Tuesday night. <laughs> wow. At uh, at Stubbs and and uh, Chris was working there. Got it. Got us a gig. Yeah. Us a gig there. Anyway, um, dude, how about Dallas with Chris Holmes and and fucking? Oh, Godzilla <laughs> opened. We opened for Wasp. That was a great uh, at at uh, the Canyon Club. That was so funny. And that would right. have been about 2001 yeah. or something like that. Tammy Blevins, our manager, was That's out with us. And Chris Holmes just trying to get with her. It was so yeah. funny. Yeah, he was <laughs> he drinking Gatorade, time. but I don't think that was Gatorade. Yeah, I don't either. I think it was spiked. Yeah, it was like speed. Yeah. It was it was Doctor Gatorade, Speederade. Right? Yeah. Speederade. Any, anyway, that was a that was a crazy fun day. Yeah, and it was. Was, that was a great gig. Anyway, so yeah. there were all these sort of pundits that were mentioning us, like uh, Andy Langer, and there were more yeah. Chronicle peeps that would talk about Godzilla Motor Company all the time. And you know, years years after, you know, sometime later after we had disbanded. I'd be talking to somebody about some business with another project or something. And, and someone on the phone working in a warehouse would go, whatever happened to that band you had Godzilla motor company. We used to listen to that burn CDR around the office all the time. Right. We used to call it sci-fi Metallica. And my mind is just going yeah. wide yeah. open because this would be like three, four years after. Yeah. So, I think maybe the, I, I maybe that's where I picked it up. I, I, I saw something in the, I want to say it was the Chronicle and it was right about that time that Lars was sniffing around Austin because he was interested in David Garza and Johnny Gowdy. He had Johnny Gowdy for a second. Yeah. And he got I, the sword. 
Uh, and the sword and no, the the sword was on it wasn't on it. But he he yeah he heard the sword and took him on tour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. and I think even the sword was a couple years later than what yeah that was after. I only know that because it was sword down in Metallica for a tour we did. Oh, right on. Yeah, dude. <laughs> How about that? And, oh, dude! How about that? Just die happy. There you go. <laughs> that was a good. That was a good run, man. Yeah. Um, we were out for probably three months, and Metallica do two weeks on, two weeks off, two weeks on, two weeks off. Wow. So yeah. that's how we would do the tour. Meet up with them every two weeks. Yeah. That was good times, man. Yeah. That's man. good. Do it. Well, I, I, I speak for all the Godzilla Motor Company fans out there because I know there are a lot of them, and I've always been really impressed that the name resonates to this day with a bunch of people in the underground and a bunch of fans. And uh, for the short time that you were together, you obviously made an impact. And this right here is going to make a lot of people happy. That's and right. It's available, I'm sure. We'll By the way, that's the original artwork that we had. I have been keeping speaking of cdrs um those art files done by my friend jeff williams who i've known forever uh who uh, appears on that's his face on broken teeth guilty pleasure album cover yeah t-shirts and stickers my man <laughs> there that's, that's, that's him. your boy that's him that's your so, boy right there so, so dave so, Dave, if you hold up that GMC cover next to that guilty pleasure, that's the same dude. So, anyway, I kept on. I kept those art files for how? Let's see, two thousand two. Do the math. Time, how many long, years? Long time. Two, three. <laughs> Bobby does my kind of math. Uh, Seventeen. <laughs> in the year twenty. The fact is, we did the motherfucking record. It's yeah. out. Jason will soon have it available on all the different. Well, platforms well, you, and you i will, could not you, be happier you will uh, the world will have it finally yeah. the world will have it but uh, couldn't be happier the, about it uh, well yeah the, the family it's it was made family style sure yeah. was that's what it's I a like. labor of love uh yeah. labor of love we we just love it so much that we did it and and had to get it off the oh man had to bring it out it's wouldn't like have, yeah. if it wouldn't have been a pandemic that brought it out i don't know what otherworldly happening right that happened to, to make us think like that but Locus. um you know i don't know it's weird yeah. times well Absolutely. um i know that a lot of people will be happy and, and as soon as we have something official to announce we'll post it on our talk louder page and uh good jason, idea jason and bobby will uh post it on their social media right. we'll That's get right. the word out and uh, certainly let people know because I know there's a lot of people waiting for it. I, I listen started to it looking right. for it right now. I started. I listened to it in my car today, and it yeah. sounded. Well, give us, give us a quick Metal Dave review since it's Metal kind Dave of part review. Of, that's part uh, of your gig. You're you're put on the spot right now. Metal Dave, everyone, GMC record. So what does Metal uh, Dave think about it? <laughs> kicks ass. Thank you, Dave. Good yeah. review. All right. Good review. So anyway, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> No, it does kick ass and we're very proud of it man we're yeah. very we're flexing our muscles a long time ago on that man you know i i always saw the you know i always saw the bits and pieces and i always saw the good in it all but i love the fact that it's pulled together it's 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 it's, it's like five fingers finally being clenched into a fist like it should have been all along and it now is. it's ready to punch you right in the face how's that for a review 
That's fucking perfect. <laughs> My man. Brought it real. Bring that real shit. There you go. Win, win, win. Win. And uh, thank you, Jared, for mixing it. Yeah, yes. absolutely. I mean, that's the reason we're all talking about it right now is because uh, Jared's technical expertise, yes. made, you know, pulled it together and made it pop and punch and kick and all that stuff. Yeah. Bobby, thank you so much for being with us on short notice, man. It's thank uh, you. always a pleasure talking to you, man. I hope what I, a blast. What a blast. Well, and uh, uh, we will catch up with you at the local HEB or something like that. I'll see you at the HEB, Dave. <laughs> I'll see you. I'll see you. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Jason. Of and, course. Uh, thanks thank you, Jared. for being on Talk Louder, Bobby. Well, Sarah, thank you very much. I see Jared. He's in there. Yeah, he is. <laughs> I appreciate y'all have a great show. I really love it. And I think you do a fantastic job. You really bring up all these crazy nooks and crannies that most don't think about, but you guys do. And that's what makes it so fun and right on. Thanks guys. You're one of the people that makes it happen. So thank you. Thank for you, bro. This. All right. Much love to you. On behalf of Bobby Rock Landgraf, I'm Metal Dave Glessner, along with my co-host Jason McMaster. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast. Right on. 